again, we want to wish you a very blessed Mother's Day. We thank and look at it. Can, can all the mothers just sort of wave your hands at me this morning? Very, very good. Now, can all the ladies wave both hands at me this morning? See, guys, I got it. You don't. <laughs> That was sad, wasn't it? If you wave both hands this morning, we have a special gift for you. When you leave the sanctuary this morning, there'll be that black table that's out there around the center, right in the middle. There'll be some items there for you to pick up. And we just want to bless you and say thank you. It's just a a, a simple little gift, but it's a gift that that goes a long way as well. So stop by, pick one up, and uh, use it as a remembrance of this Mother's Day. We're going to talk. To, we're going. We're going to talk about some things about mothers today. I'm thankful for a mother who raised us and was not ashamed of her faith. That faith shaped us. Did she have all the right words? No. Did she do all the right things? Oh, heavens no. Did she beat us? Yes. Did we deserve it? Uh Uh-uh. No. But again, she was a woman who was a woman of great faith. And I want to speak to that this morning. A mother's great faith. So if you will take your word this morning, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 15 and read several verses together. It's a familiar story, so let's read it together, shall we? Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, Canaan being a Gentile land. Have mercy on me, O Lord, my son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And it says her daughter was healed from that very hour. This, this, this is a rich story. It's not just recorded in Matthew. You can also find it in Mark as well. But, but so much, there's so much that you can pull on this passage. I mean, there's volumes here. And we could easily probably spend an hour. But there's too many moms here, and I fear for my life, Okay. So what I want to focus in on is on that last statement in verse 28. Jesus said to the woman, he says, O woman. Say that with me. O, 
not, not too fast. A woman. No. Oh, woman. Yeah. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. In all of Scripture, I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus only labels someone's faith as great twice. Once in Luke 7, when you have this Roman centurion, where Jesus says, great is your faith. And then here, where he says, O woman, great is your faith. Both times you're dealing with Gentiles, and I won't get into that right now, but let me share for a few moments on a mother's great faith. Three things here for great faith is what we're going to talk about. Now, I can tell you, as we look at this, three, these three things are going to be what I call progressive. They, they build on each other. They need each other, okay? Again, they're progressive. They build on each other, and they need each other. When they're brought together, they result in having great faith. Now, I want to get to the first one, and I'm going to go through this, and uh, I believe you'll be out of here early today, okay? Thank you, Jesus. So let me give you the first ingredient for great faith, okay? Great faith takes great persistence. Great faith takes great persistence. There are three things I want to underscore in this first point as far as persistence. And that is persistence that is surrounded by silence, persistence that is surrounded by defense, and persistence that's surrounded by confusion. So understand, let's get into this. We see this mother, and she comes to Jesus. She's in that place as a mother called, uh, it's, it's a desperate need. Let's put it that way. She's in that place called desperate need. How many moms know what I'm talking about right there? And, and, and I say this because she comes in and her daughter is tormented by demon oppression, by possession. Now, we don't know the symptoms that she suffered, but we we know this is no small ordeal, right? I mean, when you look at other references within Scripture, you read what's going on right there. For example, in Mark, you've got this, this one who's, who's out of his mind, for example. He has superhuman strength, and he lives in a graveyard. Naked as a jaybird. Not good. But that to say, although we don't know what this daughter suffered from, we know that this mother is at the end of a rope. She is, she is desperately in need of an intervention from Jesus. So she comes to him, right? She lays out the situation, her need. And, and, and look at his response in verse 23. He answered her, not a word. Ever been there before? You prayed, you laid out your need, there's a need for intervention from God, but you get nothing, just silence. How many know that silence is frustrating? Hello? Even in the small moments that might not 
mean much. But especially when it's life or death, when you're in desperation mode and you need, not want, you need a response from God. And the answer is silence. That's when a lot of us give up, let's be real. That's when a lot of us begin to believe the lie of the enemy that says, well, you know, God's silence means that he's probably really not interested in your situation. It, you know, it's, it, it's, it's very simple. He doesn't really care about your problems. He's not interested in you. When we're desperate to hear from God and he's not responding, insecurity really hits, doesn't it? Our minds begin to race and we begin to justify things or figure things out. We come up with answers from everything from, well, maybe he doesn't like me to I must be doing something wrong or I must not be spiritual enough or reading my Bible enough or praying. You know, the mind goes crazy. Hello? The thing is, when we step into silence, we can end up walking away. Maybe not from our faith entirely, but from the situation. You know what we call it? We call it loss. Chalk it up to the mysteries of God. I don't know what's going on. I guess he's not going to answer this one either, you know? But the faith that moves the heart of God, great faith, it takes great persistence even when there's silence. Look, I love this lady. I mean, she's a hero to me in the Scripture. Even though she doesn't get the response she wants from Jesus, it's like she's digging in her heels, or I should probably say her sandals, and, and is like, you're not getting rid of me. You, you can stay silent as long as you want, but I'm here. My kid is being tormented at home, and I'm not leaving. You might be silent, but you're not getting rid of me until you heal my daughter. Hello? The heart of this lady, this, this mother, she's overflowing with faith, with a persistence. She's not put off by his silence, and neither should we be. That's because, again, great faith persists in the silence. But it also persists in the middle of an offense. She's first met, obviously, with the silence from Christ. But in that next sentence, the devil, uh, the devils, the disciples are trying to shoo her away, telling her, leave. It even says they, they urge Jesus to send her away. She won't leave, Jesus. Can, can, can you tell her to leave, please? You're praying for a breakthrough, right? You've even got expectation. And then you have these good Christian friends who are reminding you what they told you, you know, and told you that was trouble, told you that was a big mistake, told you you probably shouldn't be doing it, you know, we, we've all experienced this on some level or another. Sometimes 
well-meaning people say unhelpful or even hurtful things. In the story of the mother, it's the disciples, the ones that are closest to Jesus. They should have been his greatest reflection. But the truth is, she's a Gentile. They're Jews. You know, it's like like water and oil kind of thing. But not only that, I'll get in trouble for this word. She's a female. She's a woman. I ain't going any further with that one. I'm just leaving it right there. Yeah, God gave me wisdom about 2.36 seconds ago. Here's what I'm saying, and, and that is, it's usually not Jesus who people get offended with. It's other people that people get offended with. You're not going to find a perfect church, Right? How do I know that? Because if you go looking for a perfect church, the moment you get there, it's not going to be perfect because you're there. Okay, that went over well, didn't it? Well, let me just put it this way. If you've been here long enough, and if not, just wait, but sooner or later, we will disappoint each other. Hello? Did you ever run into someone who used to follow Jesus, you know, and now, you know, they're, they've just been out there, they've been dis- and you talk with them, you run into them at the store or whatever, and you go, how you doing? Boy, miss you at church. They never say, you know, the more I got to know Jesus, the deeper my relationship got with him, the more he disappointed me. No! What do they say? You know what they say. They, they, they end up saying, oh, well, you know, they, the people there, they, they let me down. They disappointed me. I got offended. Look, people aren't disappointed in Jesus. They're usually disappointed, A, in themselves, and they're disappointed, B, in others. Well-meaning people can say dumb stuff, and they can do dumb stuff. And truth is, if we don't stay persistent with our eyes on Jesus, it's really easy for us to get offended. This lady, this mother, even in the midst of an offense, she she gives us an incredible lesson to get our eyes off of other people and our eyes on Jesus because he's the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Can you say amen? When when we keep our eye on him, our source, we're able to know great persistence and continue in faith. So again, We need to be persistent in silence. We need to be persistent in offense. 
and then persistent in confusion. Stay persistent in confusion. Look again at verse 24. It says, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You might be going, what? Look, I'd love to, to spend about a, an hour there just teaching on that, that, that statement. But enough to say, this is definitely not the response she was looking for. Hello? Ever been in that place where it seems like God's willing to, to help and he's helping everybody else but you? He's helping everybody else but me. You hear the stories. Well, sister so-and-so got blessed. And brother so-and-so got a healing. And, 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 and you're there going, I, I can't pay my rent. I'm suffering with this sickness. I have family situations. And it's like, can I, can I just get a prayer through? It's confusing when God doesn't do what we think he should do when we want him to do it. Well, that was deep, wasn't it? It can be confusing when God doesn't do what we think he should do when we want him to do it. Let me say this. God will never be who we think he should be. God is who he says he is. Remember, we're transformed how? By the renewing of our minds. It's about who he is. He is who he says he is in his word. Don't come up with some big, you know, ethereal kind of made up or somebody said something about who he is. Know who he is by his word. He is the word. I mean, do we realize, do we comprehend? I mean, he sees. He knows the beginning from the end of every situation. Nothing takes him by surprise. Listen, the, the moment you think you've got God figured out is the moment we invite confusion and not faith to take place. The moment you got God figured out, and he should be doing this, and he should be doing that, and he should be taking care of it this way, and he should be watching out for me, and I'm get, he's not coming through for me at all. He's not doing his thing, and he's supposed to be taking care of this. Boy, he's just not, you know. The moment we think, mm -mm -mm, you can't put him in a box. You invite confusion every time. The moment you think you have God figured out is the moment you start getting crazy. You do really dumb stuff. You start longing for what the rest of the world calls. I learned a long time ago, he is indescribable. Look, I, I don't want to serve a God I can figure out. I want to serve him who is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. And, and, and we will not always, how can I put this, answer 
or, or uh, I should say, he will, will not always answer. He will not always do in the way we think he should. He will not always answer. He will not always do it the way we think he should. Look, it takes faith to persist in God in prayer. When things are confusing and when it seems like God is helping everybody else but me, again, that's why I love this lady. This mother, she has great persistence even when God is silent. Others are offending her. She has great persistence even when God isn't making a whole lot of sense for her situation. She has great persistence. That's point number one, great persistence. So how do you develop this great persistence? Well, basically what we just talked about, yes. But number two, we develop great persistence through great worship. Ingredient number two. Great worship. Say that with me. Great worship. Again, there's these thoughts. I'll say it again. They're progressive. They build on each other. They need each other. And when you put them together, they result in great things. Look at verse 25. Then she came and worshipped him. Worshipped. Right after Jesus says he came only from the house of Israel, I love it. She said she came and worshipped him. There was silence. There was offense. There was confusion. Then, then she came and worshipped him. <laughs> hey, can I say it to you this way? Great worship is not about the quality of the sound we Great worship is not about the harmony we make or the right notes we either hit or we don't hit or, or, or you, if you play an instrument or, or not. Great worship is not about performance. Great worship is about timing. Say that with me. Timing. The timing as in when we actually worship. This lady blows my mind. She teaches us that great worship takes place before the miracle begins. Great faith takes place before the answers and before the breakthroughs come. Great faith, great worship, great worship takes place when in, in the natural, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to worship. It's not the right kind of worship for your taste. It's too loud or too soft for your taste. Who cares? You're not worshiping a worship team. You're worshiping God. And you might not like who's leading it, but guess what? Silence, confusion, offense. Don't give a rip. Great faith is persistent. And great faith is persistent in worship. 
great worship learns to worship before the clarity comes, before we feel happy, before the oppression and the depression lift. Great worship happens before we know what to do. Before that, you fill in the line there. Great worship. It worships, it worships when God is silent. Great worship worships when people offend us. Great worship worships when things are confusing. Anybody can worship when things are great. But it's an entirely different thing to worship when your whole world is crumbling, crumbling down around you. Listen, now you know, that's when worshipers become great. That's when worshipers become great. That's when worship begins to become faith. Worship, because in the middle of chaos, it reminds us who Jesus is. That's worship. And he is faithful to fulfill his word. Hello, somebody. Something happens inside of you when you release those words of worship. That is, faith comes by hearing and hearing by... Hmm. If you want great faith, you got to have great worship. I don't care whether you can sing or hold a tune or not. It has nothing to do with worship. If you want great faith, look, when God's word is spoken, when it's believed, okay, it's supernatural. It, it, if we want great faith, we have to have great persistence. We've got to have great worship. And we have to have great humility. Again, these thoughts, they're progressive. I'll say it. We have to have great worship when it seems like everything else is falling apart. And that takes great humility. Look at verse 25 again. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. <clears throat> but he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. On the bread. And she said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Look at those words she spoke. She said, Lord, help me. The word Lord there, okay, it, 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 that word Lord literally means one who is in authority. One who is in authority. She's saying, Lord, that's who you are. In this situation, in my life, in everything, in all of it, you're in control, you're in authority. And when we approach in humility, 
what we're doing is we're approaching him as Lord. Then she says, help me. In other words, I can't do this. I've, I've tried. And I failed miserably. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, it's not doable. I don't care who you are. I can't do this. I have no power in myself. Help me. I need you to intervene. How many know it's not natural for people to ask for help? I mean, I come from the day and age when there weren't such things as GPS and wives that would sit in the passenger side and said, why don't you just pull over and ask somebody for directions? You're only laughing because you know you've been there. Because if I if I if I if I have to ask for help, it looks like I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. If we want to have great faith, we have to have great humility. Great humility approaches God and says. can't do this. Life is it's too big. It's too overwhelming. But you, oh Lord, are bigger. I need your help to be my helper. Now notice, at the end of her worship, at the end of her request for help, this mother is then again met with what could seem like another setback. Instead of you know, immediately helping, Jesus sort of takes things a little further, okay? Notice what he says in verse 26. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Really, Jesus? Well, at least he just didn't say dogs. He said there were the little ones, the cute, fluffy ones. So he's trying to take the sting out of the room, right? How many know that his testing many times is in order to grow our faith? And instead of growing, well, we don't care for that part. She's saying, I need your help, Lord. And he comes back, and what he says is he's, you know, little. You know, you're going to take it and throw it to the little dogs. Is that what you're... What does she say? Take a look at it. What's the first word she says? It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She says, I submit to your wisdom. I'm submitting to your authority. I might not understand it. I might not even like it. But I trust you. He's just got done calling her a little dog. Yes, Lord. 
I'm not done. She says, I still love you. Yet even when an adultery becomes disqualifying about behavior, Jesus said, the children's bread. But she understands something and says, well, children, they're sitting at the master's table. It isn't their table. It's not their bread. It's your table. It's your bread. And it all belongs to you. She's saying, yes, Lord, you are the master. I know, I know nothing is too difficult for you. So I'm aligning myself under you. And what does Jesus say? Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Well, I want you to hear something else. Notice what it says here. Say that with me. Oh, woman. <laughs> now, I know what would happen if we walked around here today going, oh, woman. Oh, wo woman. Oh, woman. I wouldn't be able to talk for very much longer, would I? Do you realize what Jesus called his mother when he was on the cross? He didn't call her mom, mother. He said, oh, woman. You remember when the lady who was caught in adultery was brought before God, was brought before Christ, and she dribbles in the sand, and they all start leaving? What does he say to her? reason behind that is not what you might think. Those three terms, those three old womans that I just gave you, look them up, research it. That phrase, old woman, was the highest honor that you could bestow upon a lady. The highest. So that when Jesus spoke to the woman in adultery, he immediately restored her when he said, Oh, woman, neither do I condemn you. The brokenhearted mother who was kneeling watching her son as he was a horrible sight to even look at hears him breathe, hears him breathe down upon her. Oh, woman, behold thy son. Restore. His words speaking into her very spirit. And to this scumbag, lowlife, Gentile from Canaan who wasn't worth being at the table of the children, blah, 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 blah. I don't care where you come from this morning. I don't care where your background is from today. I, I don't care what kind of a history you have, how lousy of a job you might think you've done as the enemy is pounding on you every day. I want you to hear his words. 
thank you for your word for speaking to our hearts and lives for teaching us something that is simple but speaks volumes not only did you restore her by those words but in saying those words you brought healing into her life. I thank you. For your faithfulness. And your grace. And your hope. Lord my prayer is. That as we rise up in this place this morning. The result persistence and worship Lord I just I just pray this morning that in this place there is great faith that results in Jesus name and everybody said if you're here in this place this morning You don't know a relationship with Christ. Did you hear what we said earlier at Jesus? Seriously. And when I say that, I, I'm saying the reason you were created was for him to love you, to love on you. When that got broken through Adam, there was a plan in place. Christ came because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever whosoever would believe upon him they're not going to perish but they're going to have life as God has it. That's what that word means. He joins with us. We join with him. He joins with us. I'm going to speak right now to those who need to know Christ. All it takes is a thank you for what he's done. To believe upon him. And that God the Father raised him from the dead. Believe upon him and you shall be saved. That's what it takes. That's what it and when that happens, he happens. And there's much more yet still to come. 
mean, I just got to, you know, or shouldn't I, I pray or get down on my face or, or get beaten up by somebody or something? Or, you know, no, no, no. You're never going to be more loved than you are in the presence of God. And there's more that we want to share with you, but in just a moment, we're going to ask you to respond to the choice you've made. First, let me speak to mothers. Mom, your family, whoever they might be, wherever they might be, needs to know a mother and her great faith. One that is persistent. One that weathers the offense. One that deals with the confusion. One that worships in spirit and in truth. One that knows who the master is. You can give up all you want for whatever reason and justification might come in to your mind or to your head that's driving you crazy because you're not getting an answer or, or, or things are being said and offending or it doesn't make sense what's going on. He's still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is who He said He is and He will do what He said He will do. He is the Word, period. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And guess what? He's, he sees it all. He's, he's with you every step of the way. In it, in fact. And as a result, I got news for you. There's something taking place that you might not see. But when you give up and you shut down and you throw up your hands and walk away in defeat, your child still lays in torment. He said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be according to your, your what? Desire. Desire. And her child was healed in that same hour. That. I guess I don't have great faith because I keep praying nothing happens. Are you continuing? And are you praying or complaining? Uh, I don't mean to be like that, but I'll just say, hey, don't give up. Don't stop. Persistence in silence. Persistence in confusion persistence in offense. Would you stand with me this morning? Every mother in this place, would you do me a favor please and step out into the isle. That's called an isle. 
Every mother, please step into, I don't care whether your kids are gone or your kids are infants. If, if you're a mother this morning, not only that, okay, now would you make your way up to the, right here, right to the front. I'm going to back up so you're not in the spitting zone, but I'm going to ask you moms to, to come on down here. Come on, Mom, step forward. Why are the mothers moving so slow today? My mother would run me down and whoop me bad. Come on in, fill this place up here. We're not going to bite. Come on down. All the way up towards the front. That way you can lean towards the altar or something like that. Turn to, the, turn to the lady next to you and just tell them, bless you. We honor you this morning. All right, just one lady, okay? That's all. I'm trying to bless the whole crowd here. We honor you this morning. We thank God for you. So from our hearts, we let the rest of us sit. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. Children and your children and, and 
the rest of you just slip your hands out this way towards them and you your hands could you go like this between your feet sometimes it don't make sense Lord sometimes we don't know what to do but we still say I trust you sometimes it seems like everything from well-meaning people is just tearing things down. But we trust you. You never leave us, nor do you forsake us. I thank you for these mothers. I thank you for their hearts. 
you, only you know what their hearts have gone through, what they carry with them, what they've dealt with, what they've watched, what they've seen, how their hearts have broken, how they have disintegrated inside, how many times they've been dished on or hurt or offended or laid aside. But it doesn't trust who you are. And Lord, I pray that it never become that which keeps them from becoming a mother of great faith. I pray you will assure them, heal them, bless them, favor them. I pray you will promote them, protect them, prosper them, increase them, keep them safe. Wisdom and understanding. I pray impart your health. Honor them. Bless them in their coming ins and their going outs. In all your hand finds for them to do. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Great is our God, and greatly to be praised. Amen and amen. Somebody give him praise this morning. house wouldn't be what it is without mothers like you, and we appreciate you. I mean, all our, you know, kids don't always grow up the way we'd like them to grow up.